The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. I'm broadcasting from the AWS Public Sector Summit in Washington, D.C., and I had the opportunity to meet with some of the guests and attendees. With me now is Morgan Reed, who is the Chief Information Officer for the great state of Arizona. So welcome to the show, Morgan. It's good to have you here. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about your background. I know you came from the private sector. I figure you must have managed a, a cold stream. What's the uh, creamery that uh, your boss is famous for? When Coldstone got- Creamery. Coldstone, that's right, yeah. yeah. So what's your background? Um, out of school, I started working for Wells Fargo and then Intel after that. Um, and then I uh, left Oregon and moved back to Arizona and became employee number 80 at GoDaddy. So I uh, was there for about 11 years. And then Expedia recruited me to run their global data center. So infrastructure background, uh, building operations, and uh, at some point the state recruited me to come help them transform and innovate. So they wanted somebody with a private sector background and um, a passion for deploying technology and moving quickly. Uh Uh, It was something that the governor demanded that we needed to run the state like a business. We needed to transform, and we could no longer incrementally improve. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit. The uh, folks that have taken over the state job, you know, appointed by the governor now, many of them on the cabinet, probably close to half. So Governor Duzzi is your is your boss, or ultimately your boss, right? And uh, tell us about that appointment. You said it was a, was it the proverbial nationwide search? Because a lot of times we always laugh about that in Boston. Um, I, I don't know exactly how far they looked. I, what I heard was there was 400 people that applied for the job. I was not one of them, but I was on a technology <laughs> committee for the previous CIO, and he said I should throw my hat in the ring. And eventually I uh, you know, went along with it, and it was a long recruitment process. I think my first interview was in April. I finally started in October. wanted to make sure it was a good fit. I had a good thing going at Expedia. But what really drove me to the this state— This last year? Or do you this is 2015. 2015, um, okay. What really drove me to the state is— the opportunity to make a difference um, and that have have that difference have an impact um, in the state and community I call home. Yeah, well, it is a, it is a great opportunity. I love the both jobs I had, uh, both in Massachusetts and California. Uh, and then I'll have to tell you when we're done, I'll tell you a little bit about some other recruits that I had for opportunities to go to other places, but it just didn't quite, uh, wasn't quite in the plan. <laughs> it didn't work out in my plans. Um, talk about your CIO offense. There's like a strong CIO model in a week, a CIO has operational authority and policy, where a weak CIO may just have policy. What about your case? It sounds like you're the former. So we actually have a federated model. There's about 1,500 IT employees in the state of Arizona, about another 500 contractors out of the 35,000 employees in the state. Um, less than 10% of the IT headcount actually report into me. I do set statewide strategy and policy, but I also have to approve funding, and that's kind of the, one of the levers I have, is if an agency wants to spend 25000 or more in IT, software, hardware, services, it has to cross my desk. So we created a group uh, called Business Engineering that actually works with the agency customers, understands where they are now, what winning looks like to them, um, and how technology can be an enabler for their business. But ultimately, if a, the, an agency wants to try to 
um, whether it's go against our cloud-first policy, whether it's go against our statewide enterprise email system, we can kind of rein those things in. And any spend over a million dollars of state taxpayer dollars has to be approved by my committee, um, which we have a mix of private and public sector leaders on that to oh, make no sure. We, we make sure they have a rollback plan, make sure they've looked at multiple vendors. So we have a strong governance model, which allows us to work uh, effectively in a distributed um, Tell me a government. little more about that advisory that we call the council or approval. Information Technology Authorization Committee, we call it ITAC. And, and your folks are appointed by whom? Um, some are appointed by the governor. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have to get uh, confirmed by the Senate to uh, oh. be a member of that. But we That's have, interesting. Um, That's relatively rare. Yeah, we have I mean, to have private sector folks on it. Yeah, we try to have a balance. Um, let's just say traditionally government hasn't been as innovative and hasn't been as forward-thinking, so we bring private sector. One of my old friends from GoDaddy, uh, who's now the chief technology officer of Choice Hotels, uh, serves on that committee. We have some folks from Expedia. We have some folks that used to be at NetApp. Um, the county, the cities, mm. those kind of things. So it's it's a good yeah. mix. It's a two-year appointment, so you get fresh ideas in there on a regular really basis. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever brought that up at NASIO, but uh, it's certainly I'm a I'm a big fan of it. I had a I actually did a presentation one time how to put together a private sector advisory council, how to keep them busy, how to keep them engaged, and how to make sure they don't become a pain in the butt. That was the final title yeah. of it. And it was true. You had to be careful because, I mean, you could get 20 phone calls a week if you're not careful. Yeah. But it was great to have them to uh, really kind of get behind some of the things you wanted to do that you knew you might not be able to, to generate the kind of enthusiasm you wanted in a room. But when you had that private sector person there, you know, shaking their head one way or the other about what they wanted to do and what you wanted to do, it, it would really... It really helped me get some things done, particularly when it came uh, to consolidation, because consolidation was the last thing in the world that folks wanted when I was, uh, at least when I was in Massachusetts. <laughs> when I was in Massachusetts, I inherited a brand new building in, in Chelsea, which was going to be the new consolidated data center. It was called a co-located data center. What even called consolidated? <laughs> they were going to move everybody over there, put a wall up. Everybody would have their own their own computers, their own print shops, and everything else. And it took me years. It took me like three years finally to get that thrown out. And I just remember. Uh, my boss back then was Charlie Baker, who's now Governor Baker. And he said, you know, Flynn, you're the only one in favor of consolidating all these. Uh, and I said, I said, I'll take that as a compliment. And I've told that before. It was true. It really needed to be done. It was ridiculous the amount of money they were going to spend. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, uh, I wanted to ask about the conference. And in particular, I wanted to ask about, uh, and this is related to the question of, of the cultural barriers that you face, particularly if you want to do anything significant. If you want to come in there and just keep uh, you know, going the way things are going, you can get by and last a couple of years unless something really goes wrong. Uh, but if you really want to make a change, you know, right off the bat, you're going to get all kinds of opposition, everywhere from the newspapers to uh, you know, people dropping a dime on you from in your own organization. It can really be challenging. So what was, your, uh, what was your, if you will, your game plan to address that issue going right off the bat? I know one of the stories that I'm sure you heard before, and I've, I've, uh, it happened to me. The guy said, Flynn, I'm a herewin. And I said, what's a herewin? He'd been a longtime state employee. I'm here when you got here, and I'll be here when you leave. And it was true. Uh, uh, he really felt that way, and it took a lot to turn some of that around. Not all of them did. Did I get it done? Tell us about your approach. Um, coming from the private sector and knowing that we had a mandate to transform and, and modernize government, we really were not asking what other states or cities or counties were doing. We were asking, what is the private sector doing to solve these problems? What are some things that are innovative? Um, you know, we've done things like traveling to Silicon Valley and looking at startups and saying, how can we use this technology to solve government problems? So we've been forward thinking uh, for the last three years. And, you know, we've done a lot with the cloud. Uh, I, I was the guy that built and operated data centers for GoDaddy and Expedia when I got 
the state, I quickly realized the state does not do. Uh, data centers is not one of our core capabilities, and the private sector can do it better. Amazon, Microsoft, Google's data centers are better than ours, so we decided to go cloud first. Um, and we've had a lot of success, not only in, uh, you know, AWS has been a great partner in moving our infrastructure to the cloud, but we're also, we consolidated 30 different email systems with Google and G Suite. Um, we have now 14 agencies uh, modernize their business applications on Salesforce, which gives a modern front end not only to the citizens, but also the employees. So, you know, we've had uh, a lot of success with various cloud technologies, um, and we don't believe in, in writing custom code. We don't believe in putting it on servers in our basement because, you know, day one, that's an easy thing to do. But what the real cost is for our taxpayers is day two, supporting that over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And to not have those capabilities that you can turn on a dime and respond to your customers um, is really a, a, does a disservice to our citizens. So we believe in, in having technology and platforms that allow us to move quickly. Yeah. Well, Morgan, you make it sound pretty easy, and I know, I, I definitely know it's not. Uh, certainly there must have been resistance, and I, I think it's interesting. In fact, I want to get it from you, your, your slide about the dust storm. It reminded me a little bit of what happened to me in Massachusetts, which got things moving, and that was that DMV wanted, didn't want to come into their new building. They had a relatively new building themselves, and they didn't want to move to Chelsea. And I was trying to get them to go and trying to get them to go, and all of a sudden, just out of the blue, a couple of people got sick in the building. Then a couple more, then a couple more, and they had one of those building flus or something like that. Next thing you know, the only thing left in that building was a data center because it had its own, you know, own climate control system. And so I got them to move just because it, you know, somebody finally got sick in there. But yours was a little bit different. It's about a thousand foot uh, sandstorm. Tell us that story. It's very in- in- interesting. So, uh, data, Arizona has been a beacon for data centers for decades because we don't have earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes. You know, we're inland. Um, but we do have dust storms during the hot summer months, monsoon season. So there was a wall of dust about a mile high, 100 miles wide, with winds of 40 to 50 miles an hour that lasted for hours. The final result of that was a three-day outage to our largest and oldest data center. It's about a 40-year-old building. Um, and we had, in some agencies, we had citizens lining up outside the doors to get service because their their line of business application was down. So that was a lesson learned. There's literally one person on my team that has lived to tell about it. He's, still, he's my <laughs> chief operating officer now, and he's running all our operations. Uh, that was not on his watch. It was another person running it. But, you know, we decided that um, to double down on that strategy and to try to own and operate uh, not only buildings but equipment um, just did not make sense when there's uh, better capabilities now with cloud. Okay, Morgan, last question. You've got to, you know, you had an act of God to help you get the consolidation of data center with that sandstorm. But uh, tell us what's next. I know cloud has become such a critical aspect of your success in Arizona. What's next? Uh, we're continuing to modernize our application. We have uh, another year left on our cloud migration. Now we're getting out of the 20 smaller server rooms in the state uh, with the governor's sponsorship. Um, we're, our hope is to get to a vision where um, if the lights go out in Phoenix, the lights don't go out for our customers because we don't have infrastructure that's dependent on you know, our power grid. Um, we're modernizing applications. We now have 1,000 uh, services online, which is great progress from the 200 or so we inherited three years ago, but now we're developing a mobile application to, to put those um, in our citizens' hands, you know, government in your pocket, and can act, interact with government like they do with Amazon and others. Um, and we're also finishing our G Suite migration to get um, all, I think today we have uh, 28,000 users and 80 agencies on the G Suite. We're finishing that up this calendar year, and I'm um, just looking forward to having modern platforms as a foundation that the state can grow from there. We'll take a short break now. Our guest today is Morgan Reed, Chief Information Officer for the State of Arizona. You're listening to Ask the CIO SLED Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. 
When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network. For news on the federal pay raise. To learn how other agencies handle IT modernization. To see how Congress funds my agency. For changes to my TRICARE benefits. For the latest on my security clearance. Federal News Network. Federal News Network. Helping feds meet their mission. Your agency, your mission, your decisions. Learn from your peers as we explore the executive branch on Agency in Focus on Federal News Network. Welcome back. Our guest today is Morgan Reed, Chief Information Officer of the State of Arizona. I spoke with Morgan recently at the Amazon Web Services Public Sector Summit in Washington, D.C., and today we are reunited in our Federal News Radio studio. Ain't that technology something? So welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition, our state and local show, Morgan. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Morgan, during our discussion at the summit, we learned of your private sector background, including stints at Intel, GoDaddy, Expedia. I think it was about two decades worth. And during your your Expedia days, you were responsible for running their global data centers. This infrastructure and operations experience attracted the Governor Ducey's attention and eventually helped lead to his decision to bring you on board as chief information officer. Then he laid down a challenge, as you described it. He wanted to run the state like a business. How did you take that mandate to initiate broad IT reform in Arizona? So we looked at solving government problems with a different perspective. We didn't look around at the other states, cities, or counties and say, how is government solving this? Because I came from the private sector and, uh, again, was asked to come to this job because of my private sector background, we asked the question differently is, what is the private sector doing to solve these problems? What is industry doing? What is Silicon Valley doing? What are the most innovative solutions that we can use in, you know, I think it was 2016, 2015 when I started to solve these problems? Because a lot of these things, you know, it's not that complex. They're not that difficult. Some cases doing things in a political environment can be more challenging, um, but the technology problems are still the technology problems. Um, And we feel there are no technology projects. There's just business problems with the technology component. So we got down to what is the business problem we're trying to solve? What is the thing we're trying to uh, improve or transform for the benefit of the citizen, the benefit of the taxpayer? And we just looked at the best technology we could find to solve those problems. And that led us to uh, vendor solutions provided by Amazon, Google, Salesforce, um, and others that uh, really have helped, uh, you know, we feel transform that citizen experience. Um, provide more redundancy, more resiliency, um, and, you know, as a surprise, lower costs than the traditional, in some cases, vendors that have been working in the public sector, or definitely the traditional public sector timeline um, for implementing some of these. We had, to, we had to do big things. We had to do them quickly. Um, and using modern technology from um, vendors that not that long ago were startups um, has really helped, um, you know, put the state in a better position moving forward. Well, having to do a deployment quickly, like you described, as we wrapped up that earlier summit conversation, you said you were very excited that with the infrastructure foundation now in place, you'd be able to focus on new initiatives like mobility applications, completing the G Suite, and so on. How's that going, and what else is on your agenda for the new fiscal year? Projects are going great. We just wrapped up phase three of our G Suite migration. We now have over 80 agencies and close to 30,000 employees on the platform. Uh, we actually have a couple more agencies to complete that needed a little more time for testing. So that's why we test to find things. And um, we're giving them the 
time they need to, to finish that work. We actually have a proof of concept right now with four different vendor-provided mobile app solutions. I just got them loaded on my phone this morning when I got back from a trip. And uh, we're looking at hopefully uh, selecting the best one to release to our citizens um, later this calendar year, if all things go well. So yeah, I think the state's definitely in a better position from an um, application readiness platform, but we also feel better for a security platform. You know, when we looked at the 30 different email systems that we inherited, some uh, had stopped paying support and were running on 10-year-old platforms where they could no longer get patches. Some of them were running on a single server in somebody's basement. Um, and now that we're, for example, in the G Suite, we have all our email um, distributed between multiple Google data centers that are all more secure than our state data centers. Um, we have extra levels of encryption that we didn't have, and the mobility of being able to get access to your email and your contact list and your communications and chat anywhere on any device has really uh, allowed our users to decide faster and respond faster to our citizens' needs. So, um, yeah, we feel we're in a good place, but there's plenty more work to be done. You know, the cloud was the primary topic at the AWS Summit, and obviously, Arizona's cloud strategy is quite extensive. I mean, it's kind of an all-in proposition. And traditionally, as you performed uh, your cloud rationalization process, I assume, you were able to prioritize the chronology, so to speak, of those applications which would move to the cloud. Isn't that right? How did you do that? Yeah, we we actually uh, think of it more as uh, cloud first, but not cloud only. Uh, There are definitely some things that make a lot of sense put in a distributed compute environment where you have uh, multiple geographic regions, you have um, access to more tools and features to rapidly spin up prototyping. Um, You know, the day was that if you wanted to test an idea, you had to order equipment and uh, wait for it to be shipped, land it in your data center, cable it up, install your operating systems. Then you could try out your your idea. And if your idea didn't work, well, guess what? You paid for that equipment. It was yours forever. Um, But now uh, with the cloud, You can actually spin up uh, some test environments. You can try out your idea, and if it works, great. And if it doesn't, you can shut it off and never pay for it again. So that gives our agencies the chance to try new things that they wouldn't have been able to before due to budget constraints. Um, But we actually have some applications, because it's cloud-first and not cloud-only, that haven't made sense. For example, uh, the state of Arizona geographically has about 80% of the the population and about 20% of the space in the Phoenix metro area. Some of the surrounding area, rural area, doesn't have the most robust network connections. So, for example, when my uh, Department of Corrections came and said, you know, in these remote areas where we have the prisons, we don't have a a robust connection to the cloud. And we feel like the access control systems, for example, that control whether the prison doors are open or closed, should be on-prem in those prisons instead of the cloud. You know, and I had seen enough prison break movies that I said, that's probably a good idea. I don't want to be the CIO responsible for saying... Uh, we put it in the cloud, and then somebody cut the connection to the cloud. So that and things like video streaming services. So, for example, if we're capture, we have a lot of video cameras in a secure facility. We're capturing that video and storing it. That's a lot of network bandwidth up and down. So, again, having a camera server on-prem that collects that made more sense. But for the most part, I think 90% of the applications and use cases we've looked at had been fit a good fit for various cloud providers. Amazon's one of them. We also partner with Microsoft and Azure, um, Google and GCP. Um, some of our agencies are looking at Oracle Cloud. We are cloud agnostic, um, but we are cloud first when we're deciding on where the new applications go. Let's shift the conversation a little bit. We only have a few minutes left. I'm always interested uh, in state and local CIOs' relationship with their chief executive. 
Uh, I know you're in the uh, Strategic Enterprise Technology Division at the uh, Department of Administration, but I'm also interested in your in your relationship with uh, with that individual and also with the governor himself. Tell us about how you uh, nurture and feed those two relationships. So we have a new director here at Department of Administration. He's been here a little less than a month, um, Andy Tobin. Great guy, uh, knows a lot about government, is actually going to help us on our initiatives to do more to better not only protect the state, but help innovate for the state because uh, he's been here a little bit and has a lot of relationships that we didn't have. So we're really looking forward to what we can do going forward. In terms of the governor's office, um, you know, we've had the opportunity to present to the governor on numerous occasions. You know, uh, he understands the work that we do to help protect, not only protect the state from a cybersecurity perspective, but also make sure that we're making good decisions going forward with the next technology project or platform or service. Um, We have the cabinet meetings on a quarterly basis where we get an opportunity to spend a few minutes reporting out on how are the agencies protecting themselves from a cybersecurity perspective? How are the agencies moved towards the cloud? How are the agencies adopting the G Suite? So these uh, opportunities give us a chance not only to to educate and inform him, but also the cabinet leaders, so they know whether their agency is ahead or behind schedule, whether they need help from us. You know, we run a shared services organization, but my office is only responsible for less than 10% of the state's IT personnel. So we do have a distributed or federated model, uh, but being able to have, you know, a central vision, central strategy and policy, does allow agencies to know where we're going and we can help them get there in some cases, you know, when the governor wants us to, and in some cases in their own time. Um, But that seems to work pretty well for the state right now. You know, I only have one more question and it comes, it comes basically from our earlier conversation. And that is, uh, you know, there's that ongoing challenge for CIO leadership, the ongoing challenge of IT business alignment. And it sounds like the group that you mentioned, the engineering group, I believe it was, that you created to address that challenge. Tell us about that, because I think it's really important. Sure. So, um, you know, when I started and I went out and met with 20 agency directors um, and I asked them, how are we doing? If you're a customer of mine, what could we be doing better? What are some of the other services that we could uh, offer you? A lot of cases they said, nobody from your office has ever visited me, or I don't know what services you can offer. And, you know, frankly, I don't like having to do them all myself. So I realized that if, uh, if I was the only one ever talking to our customers, we had a scalability problem. So I, cre- I, had, uh, I came back to the office and found that I had four different groups talking to the customer, but they weren't talking to each other. So I reorganized them under a group we call business engineering, again, because we feel there are no IT projects, only business projects that need some IT. Uh, and that group now is uh, probably 20 people strong. It has our project management office. We call it our engagement managers. And our engagement managers are assigned a portfolio of 20 to 30 agencies each. It's their job to make regular contacts with those agencies, not only to help guide them and provide oversight on their regular IT projects, but also say, what are the next thing that you're trying to, to solve? Not from an IT perspective, for, for your business, what does it mean uh, to achieve the mission of your agency or department, and how can technology help? And whether that's through mobility, whether that's through video, whether that's through streaming, whether that's through cloud, we try to come to them um, and help be a technology broker. We don't do any, everything in-house, nor would we try. But we have a collection of technology contracts and providers and partners and some smart people here that know how to put it all together um, that we've been able to have a track record of helping agencies achieve their needs while making sure that their uh, technology is as future-proofed as we can make it. Very good. With that, we'll have to conclude our program today. I want to thank our guest, Morgan Reed, Chief Information Officer for the State of Arizona. Morgan, thanks for taking the time to be with us. 
And thanks, everyone, for listening today. Content from this state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors, is part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, Sled Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.